the life of God is not a theory to be studied. It's a life to be experienced. It's really crucial we get this. And in the Bible we hear that we are being transformed from one degree of glory to another. So that is a life of transformation in Jesus Christ. From one degree of glory to another, it's ongoing, it's transformational. That's why we're doing this series more. So if you've got your Bibles open, I know the words will come up on the screen. Always helpful to know where Acts chapter 1 is. And we're just going to read Acts 1 verses 1 to 8. And today we're going to be talking about more of God's power. More of God's power. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave this command. Promise, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered round him and they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It's not for you to know the times or dates my father is set by on his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Well, um, you may not know this, but this year is the anniversary of King's Church landing in High Wycombe. Now, not that we hadn't been in High Wycombe before that, but this, the building, you know, we sort of got a sense of uh, permanence when the building came. And actually, we opened this building in November 1994. We had a, a, an official ceremony in January 95. But we, yeah, we landed in 94. However, 94, 1994 is not widely known that the King's Church landed in High Wycombe. It's, it's known for the beginnings of a particular season of the outpouring of God's Spirit, not just on this nation, but on many nations. And some of you can remember that time, and others of you, it's completely alien. You were never there, you weren't there, and um, unfortunately you missed that. But God is always here by his presence. He's always here by his spirit. Let me just say this. I'll just give you a little glimpse. It was an extraordinary time. It was an extraordinary time. I remember on one occasion I was leading the meeting, just as Richard has done earlier, and um, we were into the opening song just a few minutes in, and the first five rows were gone. I mean, they couldn't stand People were slumped in their seats. They were falling on the floor. They were just all over the place by the sheer weight and presence of God. They couldn't stand. They were hanging over the seat, on the floor, 
just couldn't do it. Just couldn't cope with the sheer presence of God. It wasn't neat. It wasn't tidy. In fact, it was really messy. It was very messy. I was surprised by some whom God touched uh, during that time. They're some very stable, very proper, very ordinary people. And under the weight of the presence of God fell apart. I mean, it was quite wonderful to behold. Now, this particular move started in June 94. And this building hadn't gone up. It was still in the process of going up. And uh, we, were, uh, we were able to get in at one time to the West End Hall. So we opened up midweek meetings for, in the West End Hall. And uh, I remember the first one. We, we drove down West End Road. And I saw a sight I'd never seen before. It was a queue. Now the building wasn't uh, fully decorated. So a concrete floor is dusty. I can't say the walls were really painted or whatever. So it was really in a sort of shell-like stage. Uh, but there was a queue going down the West End Road and round the corner. And people were carrying garden chairs and rugs. And they couldn't wait for the doors to be opened. It was a phenomenal time. My friends, they couldn't wait for the doors to be open, And they weren't disappointed. God moved gloriously among us. I recall going to a New Frontiers conference that year with Ron and with Stuart Reed, who teaches here on occasions, and Frank Matthews, who's really the father of this work. And we went to um, Stonely, which is the Bible week for New Frontiers. And Ron and I, particularly, we, we, I can only describe it like this. We staggered from meeting to meeting like drunken men on a pub crawl. That's, that's just how we were. And, um, and we, I remember the occasion, we were talking about it this week, I remember the occasion we were trying to get out because the driver needed to go home. And we couldn't get out by walking. You couldn't do it. Because there, there were pockets of the presence of God, the Spirit of God among us, which made it, we had to crawl out. That's the only way we could get out. And we weren't the only ones. There were other people crawling, crawling out. You, you see, you think, my goodness me. It's just sheer God. Sheer God upon us. Bruce and I remember driving down the motorway. And, I don't know, just crying. With the laughter and joy. Talk about joy. Alumni, talk about joy. My gum, that was a time of joy. Great joy. People experienced the Holy Spirit differently at that time. What we found was that it opened deep matters going on in people's lives. You know, for some of them, their, their view of God dramatically changed. And suddenly, they had a revelation of God as their father. Broke into their lives. Opened them up. And a great new, ah, oh, just life in God happened. For some, you know, it's uh, emotional healing and forgiveness. It all came to the fore. There was not only power for the present, my friends. There was power to release from the past. I want to talk about power today. Holy Spirit brings life. Do you know where there's life? I tell you this, it's not going to be under our control. It gets messy. If you've ever been to a hospital nursery, it's noisy. And um, 
It's crying and it's, it's all there in a nursery. Now, if you don't want that sort of thing, you don't want that noise and that mess, then you need to go to a cemetery. It'll all be quiet there. It's, it's, it's not always going to be as corporate as that. And there was a, it, was just, it was a particular season. And God built in intimacy and faith and joy and purpose into people personally. And, and for us as a church, he enriched us for the future. I thought, what a start. What a start to being here in Wickham that we might be here for this town. God, God put things in us that would uh, equip us for being here. My friends, we are meant to experience the Holy Spirit. Not to study him. Not to, we are meant to experience him. He is a real person. Our queen, irrespective of her title, is a real person. She is Elizabeth, born 21st of April, 1926. She's married to Prince Philip. Don't talk about his driving. And, we, and she's the mother of four children. And she is a real person. The Holy Spirit is a real person. And he is promised. Jesus said, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised. You know, when I meet someone, I don't meet a concept. I don't meet an it. I don't meet a force or a thing. I meet a person. Christians worship one God who is known through three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is promised. And he's promised for you. He's promised for you. He's not promised for 1994. He's promised for you now, today. He's been there since the very beginning. He didn't drop in in Acts chapter 1 and go, I've arrived. He's right there in Genesis chapter 1. The Spirit's hovering over the waters. Holy Spirit has been throughout all of Scripture. If you read the book of Exodus, you get to a certain part where God rescues his people from slavery in Egypt. And on the journey, and you may have read about this, they, they make this thing called a golden calf. They make this thing called, and said, that's your God. Oh, no, it isn't. You don't do that to God. God is, God is unpleased, is probably um, is a, a minor way of saying it. He is really ticked off. And, and yet, he reiterates his promise to these people that he's taken out of slavery, that he will still take them to this land. But here's the thing, but I'm not going with you. I give you the land, but I'm not going with you. You're a stiff-necked people. I might destroy you on the way. I'm not going with you. It's an interesting point, that, isn't it? So God offers all the benefits with you don't have to go through the expectation of obedience. Go on, I'll give you the promise. I'll give you the benefits. uh, But I'm not going with you. So he's offering all the benefits. Um. Without the commitment. And Moses responds like this. He says, if your presence doesn't go with us, don't send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? I love Moses for this. 
What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? God offers Moses everything without him. And Moses doesn't want everything. He wants God himself. What a man. I think that's brilliant. Don't leave Jerusalem. But wait for the gift my father promised. This series is about experiencing more, more of God. I wonder what your expectations are of the Holy Spirit. They sort of tend to fall into two categories. One, expect too much. They think everything is now. And they forget that the Apostle Paul, when he speaks to the new churches, he says, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. That's sort of put on the back burner and put behind us. But I suspect the second danger is closer to home. It's the danger of expecting too little. Christianity is not an exchange of beliefs. Please don't do that. It's a dynamic relationship with the living God. So the spirit comes with life and it comes with power and comes and brings great courage. So Francis Chan writes this. And, and again, uh, I put it up on the, the screen so that you can see this. Let me read it. I don't want my life to be explainable without the Holy Spirit. I don't believe God wants me to live in a way that makes sense from the world's perspective. A way I know I can manage. Are you living like that? If we never pray audacious, courageous prayers, how can he answer them? No matter where you live and what your days look like, you have the choice each day to depend on yourself, to live safely, and to try and control your life, or you can live as you were created to live, as a temple of the Holy Spirit. Dependent on him. Desperate for God, the spirit to show up and make a difference. My friends, he has promised to you. He has promised to you. I have a question is, how do you want to live? Do you want to manage everything? Or do you want an adventure? You want, a, you want an adventure, my friends. I tell you, this is an empowered life. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. The Holy Spirit brings power. You cannot live the Christian life without the power of God. If you think you can manage it all, you have missed it. That is, it's not an exchange of beliefs. It's a dynamic relationship with the living God. It requires the power of the Holy Spirit. You need the power of the Holy Spirit to live, to grow. To thrive. Scripture tells us this amazing truth. And I just said to Bruce earlier on. And I've been stuck on this for quite a while now. The same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Lives in you. I just. Can you get your head around that? You know the same spirit. The same spirit who breathed life into the decaying and rotting flesh of a dead body, lives in you. Who raised 
to resurrection life, excuse me while I get excited, lives in you. My goodness me. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. Why don't you just turn around and feel uncomfortable just for a moment and say to the person next to you, do you know the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, I don't know if I can remember all that, now lives in you. The same spirit. And now you're into conversation. I love that, I love that. Very good. Just, just, just how can you be a new person? How can you be a new person without the power of God in you? How can you live a life of praise and honor and worship to God without the power of God in you? You can't. The Holy Spirit brings power. The same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, He, he lives in you. Oh, praise God. You've got resurrection power. In your life. It takes power to be a Christian. It takes power to live a victorious Christian life. That power doesn't come from you. Otherwise you can manage it all. But you don't do that. It comes from God. We're going to cover in the next few weeks. Uh, more of God's love. More of God's peace. More of his joy. More of his generosity. You know the Holy Spirit transforms your life. It takes power to live this life. Don't think you can manage it all on your own. Please don't do that. It takes power to forgive. You should know that. It takes power to let that go. Go on. It takes power to let it go. It takes power to break self-destructive habits. It takes power to do that. Not willpower, but the power of God to do that. It takes power a work of the Holy Spirit, listen, to own up to our insecurities and our failures and say, yeah, that was me. I should never have done that. I am really sorry. Do you know that speaks to non-Christians? When we do the apology bit, when we own up to the things that we have done wrong, it speaks. It takes power to do that. God comes in his kindness. I love the little line, isn't it? It's the kindness of God that brings us to repentance. Thank goodness for that. Thank goodness for that. It's the kindness. The Holy Spirit is so kind. He's so kind. That's why he's called the counselor. He's the counselor. You know, some people are more preoccupied with the devil. Well, he made me do this and he made me do that. And I'm buying the devil of this and I'm buying the devil of that. Do you want to know the power of God in you, please? Let's get to be aware of the Holy Spirit in us. Some people are more interested in the devil, I think. No. We're people of the Spirit. It's what it is to be alive in Christ. That's a miracle. Only God can do that. Only God can do that. I remember, I remember with a, and this is not just, it's just one occasion. I'm sitting, sitting down with a young man and he's just broken and his life is in knots and, he's, and he can't get over this particular moment in his life. And we sit down together and we, we invite the Holy Spirit into that part of his life that he has been unable to unravel for two years. 
And we sit down together. I can see us now sitting down together. And then the Holy Spirit begins to speak into his life and starts to untie the knot. And, I, and then he's this, he starts to cry and he gets the sheer re- release as the Holy Spirit ministers to him. This is not a one-off. Dave and Pauline have this ministry all the time. They invite the Holy Spirit and when he comes and he undoes the knots that are going on in people's lives. It's a work of the Spirit. Miracles. He does this. It takes power to live the Christian life. That's why this series is called More. And if it does anything, I hope it puts salt on your tongue and makes you thirsty for the person of the Spirit. If you go to Ephesians 5, don't do it because we haven't got time. There's a list of do's and don'ts. And towards the end of the list, the Apostle Paul writes, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Do you know the word Spirit in the Greek, Hebrew, it means wind, breath. Be filled. Actually, it means keep being filled. So if you just had your one off, you're missing it. It's keep being filled. Andrew Wilson uses an illustration of a sailboat. And it got me thinking. Because uh, my parents lived in the Middle East for quite a long time. And my dad was part of a sailing club. And every now and then I would go sailing with my dad. And we, um, he was the helmsman because my dad had to be in charge. If you know my dad, you'll understand that. And uh, he had to be in charge. And I was the crew. So, uh, and, and these, these boats were called Flying 15s. And we would get in there and we would, we would get the sails and I'd be hanging off the edge of the boat, yeah, like you've seen in the pictures. I'm hanging off the edge of the boat with a jib here and the, and the wind is filling the sails. Flying 15s, you bet. I mean, could they move? It was exhilarating. It was phenomenal. I would... How does that happen? Empowered by the wind. Just empowered. God wants to empower your life, my friends. Just letting the wind of God get into your sails. Now, you would say, oh, that's all God. No, we had to set things up, put things in place, get things in order, get things right, and let the wind get in the sails. But it was a great ride. It's a great ride. It was terrific. Well, when you're rowing, it's all your effort. But when you're sailing and the wind is in your sails, oh, it's exhilarating. Ah, it's uncomfortable too. Because you go at paces you don't want to go at. And you go at paces and you want to turn the boat. Well, that's fun too. But you're always trying to catch the wind. Staying with the wind. I think it was Frank who said, it's not the gale, it's the set of the sail. My friends, have you got the set of the sail? That the wind of the Spirit would flow into your life. We, it's empowering. We experience the Spirit. Now I deliberately use that word experience. Hear me out. So, in Acts chapter 2, which follows this 
Acts chapter 1 where Jesus says, you know, uh, wait for the gift my father promised. So he's talking about the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit comes, um, they are accused of being drunk. So if you read that in Acts chapter 2, they're accused of being drunk. And one of the first things that Peter does when he stands up to explain, one of the first things is he said, these men are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. And now in Ephesians chapter 5, with that list of do's and don'ts, just before it says, but be filled with the Spirit, it says, do not be drunk with wine. Do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. There's a reason why he contrasts being drunk with wine with being filled with the Spirit. Do you know there is something about experiencing the joy of the Lord, which we heard about this morning, that nothing can compare with? Absolutely nothing. Martin Lloyd-Jones, preacher in Westminster Chapel, London, from 1938 for 30 years, And he says this, that when someone is drunk, we might say they're under the influence of drink. Don't be under the influence of drink. Be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. A person who is full of wine is soaked in wine. Don't be like that. Be saturated with the Spirit. Be under the influence of the Spirit. So first of all, the Holy Spirit's promised and then you, secondly, you see, you need power. He brings power. And thirdly, he gives you purpose. So as we heard two weeks ago, and again, we, we get it today, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The witness is the whole of your life, my friends. It's the whole of your life. Wherever you are, wherever No, wherever, not here, not just here. Wherever you are, whoever you are, you're a witness. Do you know, as you reflect the life of Jesus Christ, people are drawn to you. Since we've done this blessed series, I've been, whenever I've gone somewhere or whatever, I've been looking for conversations. Looking for people, just to chat with people. No, I'm not going to give them the gospel. I'm not going to tell them my story. I'm just going to be interested in them, get to know them. It's really interesting. it's really interesting. For those of you who weren't around, last term we did this BLESS series. Most people understand what the words B-L-E-S-S, but B was begin with prayer, and L was listen, and E was eat, S was serve people, and finally S is story. Tell your story. Look, And you will be my witnesses. Witnesses, Witness involves everyday life. The reason I was drawn to Jesus Christ was because of the everyday life of Christians. Not Christians in a meeting, but their everyday life. I thought, I want that. That drew me. That was a massive witness to me. You'll be my witnesses. We live in a very short-term culture, my friends, and you may well have people on your blessed list, and you may see nothing for years. Keep praying. Keep praying. In the last two years, in regards to extended family, I've seen more happen, far more happen than in the previous 30. Hey, keep praying. Keep praying. Don't, don't, don't stop. 
and be short-term. Oh, it's not happening for me. No, keep praying. They're on your list because they matter to you and they matter to God. So keep praying. And uh, our God is incredibly gracious, isn't he? Uh, and kind. And do you know with you, he was really patient. And I know that without even knowing your name, but I'm just telling you, he was really patient with you. You may not realize how patient he was. He's incredibly patient with you. Why would he not be patient to all your friends and family and those on your list? Hey, come on, my friends. Keep praying. Pray for them. The Bible says he's the same what? Yesterday, God and forever. He's the same. He's the same. So don't give up. God didn't give up on you. (laughs) Thank goodness for that. He didn't. George Muller's primary involvement was to take care of orphans in the 1800s. A massive number of orphans this man was involved with. His faith is phenomenal. Ever get a chance to read about him, please do that, George Muller. And he had, on, he had a blessed list, and on his blessed list were five young men, five. And the first came to know Christ in 18 months. And the second came to know Christ five years later. And the third came to know Christ Six years after that, he's still praying. And shortly after his death, the last two became followers of Jesus Christ. 52 years he'd been praying for them. Don't give up. Don't give up. God is patient. He's amazing. You'll never know what's going on in people's lives. And things can turn on a sixpence. Don't give up. Make sure you're in there. Make sure you're around. Don't lose heart. We have purpose, my friends, individually, and we have it corporately. We're in this town for this town. And I know there are question marks about the car park, but I'm telling you, we're in this town for this town. I'm not in here for parking a car. I'm in this town for this town. We're in High Wycombe for High Wycombe. That's why we're here. God has graciously put us in here. At 25 years we've been in here. And we will see change. And we have seen change. Last week, as Richard was saying, cat weekend. And they got 10 people responding. 10 people. 10 people responding to the gospel. You've got to love that, haven't you? That's marvelous. And then we get the 47th, 47th family free of debt. Oh, praise God. We're in High Wycombe for High Wycombe. And we see many, many people come to Christ. Lives transformed. Becoming a franchise of Azalea that reaches out to vulnerable and sexually exploited women. We're in High Wycombe for High Wycombe. So we're here for a purpose. This week there's a meeting discussing King's Table. It's designed to provide community to those affected by life-controlling addictions such as drugs and alcohol. There's a Life of Kings booklet at the back. I hope there is anyway. And if any of you are visitors and you want to see what's going on in this church, get the booklet. It's there. And it'll tell you what's happening. We're here for purpose. Both individually and corporate. Make no mistake, we're in this town for this town. But boy, do we need the Holy Spirit. Do I have an amen on that? We need the Holy Spirit. And he releases passion. So one of the things that surprises people is the passion with which God's people praise him. So one morning, 
there's a visitor who comes over. She was in that section there. And I go over and I say hi to her. And I, and I said, is this your first time? And she says, yes, I, I've never been before, but somebody invited me and said, why don't you come over to King's? And fine. So I spoke to her after the meeting. I said, okay, so how did it go? You know, I can be a bit direct like that, but I said, come on, just tell me. I, I quite ha- Give me honest feedback. What was it, what was it like? How did, what did you experience here? And she said, um, she said she was stunned by the passion of God's people praising him. It, it just caught her by surprise. And then she said, I was a little bit unsettled. I said, what was that? She said, I sensed a real authority in this room. I've never experienced anything like that. It unsettled me. I said, oh, we can't make that happen. Only God does that. The, the disciples, you know, were filled with the Holy Spirit. And you go to Acts chapter 2, and you'll find that they spoke in other languages. And uh, it's festival time. Jerusalem, people from many different countries. And they're speaking other languages. They're from Macedonia and uh, Mesopotamia and uh, Asia, Cappadocia. I mean, there's, a whole, there's over 10 places listed. What did they speak about? This is what they spoke about. They spoke about the mighty works of God. That's what they spoke about. That's what they spoke about in these languages they had not learnt. They spoke about the mighty works of God. That's praise. Amen? That's praise. The first time the Spirit comes, what's their passion? I'm going to praise Him. I'm going to praise Him. I'm going to just declare the mighty works of God. Through Acts we see again and again this gift of tongues. Now, it's not needed in every case for interpretation in terms of a, a given language, but it's a personal gift, this gift of tongues. What's it for? It's for God. It's for prayer. It's for praise. It's for him. It's a great gift. Is it to make us feel we're a better Christian than others? Don't you believe it? Don't go down that line. No, it's for him. It's prayer and praise. Our language is so limited. Have you noticed? I don't know what to say. But, but you know, we, we are so limited. Even Churchill, who could speak twice as many words as most people here in this room. And it's, it's still limited. Because when it comes to God, oh, so much to thank you for. And he and just moves. So it's a gift of tongues. It's It's passion. It releases us in a deeper place. It's the first thing the disciples express is their passion and their praise for God. Somebody once said this. Why is it that if a cinema produces laughter, that film is regarded as a success? If a theater tragedy brings tears to the audience, the production is regarded as touching. If a football crowd... A match thrills a crowd, which is re- it's regarded as exciting. But if the congregation are moved by the glory of God in worship, those participating are accused of emotionalism. <laughs> the Holy Spirit releases passion. So on the day of Pentecost, a passionate man stands up and his name's Peter. Power. Purpose, passion. It's all in this man who denied Jesus three times. 
It's all in this man who ran away. What's the difference in this man? What's happened to him? He's full of the Spirit. He's full of the Spirit. Spirit releases passion. He preaches an incredible sermon. Now Jesus says this. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Let me just say that again. How much more? This series is about more. How much more? How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Jesus is saying, look, son, daughter, ask for more of my spirit. Come to God. Fill me up. Come on, God, set me on fire. Do something in me. I'm not content with what I want. I'm not content with a one-off experience. And if you, if you haven't ever done this, come out today and ask for more. Come on, ask for more. And perhaps you had a dramatic experience of the Holy Spirit a few years ago. Why, why should that be it? Ask for more. Is he not the God of more? More? How much more will he give you? I don't want us to rest content. Please don't rest content with your experience of God that you can manage and whatever. Don't do that. Ask for more. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? We've been placed in this town for 25 years. We've always been a people who longed for more of the Holy Spirit. I hope we're here in 100 years' time. Not you, others. 100 years' time. And I hope that's the prayer of this church, Kings, that we want more. And we want to be a people empowered by the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.